0: Looking for a way to keep your kids or grandkids entertained? Just tell your smart speaker to play Vision Kids Radio. Vision Kids. Problem solved.
1: realfaith.org.au
0: My self-worth was really, really shot. I had trouble with friendships. I had trouble with relating to the opposite sex. But I just thought I was really you know, not not worthy of anything. Welcome to Real Faith. Conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life and real faith with Eric Scataboe.
1: Sarah Petrel says that God has taken her on a journey through the muddy waters that life has to offer. And that life journey has taken her through a troubled childhood to becoming a chaplain and then being selected as the co-captain for the Invictus Games. Sarah will share her inspiring story with us today as she joins us via the telephone from her home in Brisbane. And parents, we just want to warn you that due to the adult themes that will be discussed regarding sexual abuse, Today's program is not appropriate for young listeners. Sarah Petrel, welcome to the program.
0: Hello, glad to be here.
1: Glad to have you with us. And the Invictus Games, what exactly is that?
0: Uh, the Invictus Games is a game that was created by Prince Harry, I think it's about 2014. Uh, he was inspired by watching the Warrior Games in the United States. And he created his games for wounded soldiers, sailors, and airmen, and marines. Mm-hmm. who were either suffered an injury or were rehabilitating injuries, a way for them to regain some of that was lost, mm. it, competing in sports, competing against other countries, and uh, in adaptive sports. So those people that have perhaps lost limbs or those that have uh, musculoskeletal injuries, those that have mental health injuries, there is um, so many opportunities for everyone to be able to step up and compete and just great camaraderie and it's a great environment, encouraging you know, encouraging you to be better.
1: So the fact that you're participating in these games means that obviously you were involved in the military?
0: Yes, yeah. I have been involved in the Australian Army as a reserve member and as a full-time member for about 22 years now.
1: And it also means that you have some type of injury or something like that?
0: Yes, I do. I don't have a specific mechanism of injury, but I have gained injuries across my service. So I have injuries to my feet my back, my shoulder, and those are just something that I've developed, like the injuries that I've developed over mm-hmm. over the course of my service, yes.
1: Okay, so that qualifies you to participate, and yes. you, you actually were in the 2018 Games, is that right?
0: Yes, yes, I was down in Sydney. It was a great experience.
1: Okay, well, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Invictus Games that you were selected the co-captain for, but first we want to find out a little bit more about you and your background. Where were you born and raised?
0: I was uh, born in Sydney, and mm-hmm. uh, that's where I grew up, in a family of uh, three brothers, one sister, so there was five of us all together, and my mum migrated to Australia from Malta when she was five years old, and my dad um, was in the military himself, mm-hmm. and an Australian from Western Australia.
1: Mm-hmm. And you had a bit of a troubled childhood.
0: Yes, definitely a definitely a challenging childhood. I grew up with my mum and my dad both in the home, like they didn't get divorced until later on in life, but... They just started out, you know, in life with a lot of animosity between my mum and I, Mm. you know, and, you know, I can't speak for, like, my siblings, of course, but there was a lot of turbulence. Mm. I mean, I wasn't even sure, you know, if my mum was even happy about being a parent, Mm. because there was just a lot of anger and frustration coming from her, and and I just never felt like there was a lot of love.
2: Mm.
0: My mum really used bullying and fear to rule her kids. Mm. And it just made for an environment that just never really felt safe. You know, she was harsh in her punishments, and and then at the same time, my dad was like a workaholic. He was away for long hours. He didn't really provide much support to my mum in the household, which probably you know exacerbated her frustrations and her yeah. inability to manage things. And she was never really one to express love and affection. Mm. And my home life was a place where you really had to hide your true feelings and hide what was really going on Mm. in you because there was just no safety there. And like like every kid, all I ever really wanted was, I guess, to be seen, to be loved, to be accepted, you know, to be looked Mm. upon as just amazing for whatever it is, you know, looked upon with real love, and it's just something I never really felt. Mm.
1: And then, unfortunately, things even got worse.
0: In an environment like that, and I know it's not uncommon being that it wasn't safe, I was vulnerable. Mm. And because of that vulnerability, I became subject to, to sexual abuse. And, mm. I mean, it's an easy word to roll off the tongue and just say sexual abuse, but there's so much more that's involved in that. Mm. And yeah. in my prepubescent years, that sexual abuse really, really laid these weeds in your life, weeds mm. that will take years and years to come out, because it introduced me to sexual activity, sexual feelings. And that sexual exposure at such a young age just does uh, so much damage mm. to how you see yourself, how you see how you relate to others, and your value. And I really um, mm. had an issue with seeing my value because it's not something I ever had that I felt I had given to me by my parents that I was valuable, you know, just because. Mm. And I became only valuable for sexual exploitation. Mm.
1: So, for all yeah, the reasons sorry. you're mentioning, yeah. you go into your teenage years very confused and confused specifically about your self worth.
0: Absolutely, my self worth was really, really shot. Mm. And high school, is difficult enough as it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. I had trouble with friendships. I had mm. trouble with relating to the opposite sex. But I just thought I was really, you know, not not worthy of anything. Yeah, it's like my value is that I'm an object, and I have no choice in that matter. Mm.
1: So yeah, uh, it's just terrible. I mean, the exact opposite of what you want for a young child. You want a young child to feel nurtured and uh, accepted and loved and valued for who they are as somebody created by God uniquely with special gifts. And yet, as you're saying, you had the exact opposite feeling about yourself that you were just, yeah, yeah low yeah, valued.
0: Absolutely.
1: So that all those things confuse you. You're feeling like
0: mm.
1: you're just an object, as you mentioned. It's just terrible and that set you up for poor relationships with the opposite sex.
0: Yeah. There's something really significant that happened around this time. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I had always grown up knowing the existence of God. As I I had a traditional upbringing in faith, Mm -hmm. but I never had a personal connection. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you for sure that God was looking out for me because there was this one occasion where I had decided my worth was purely as a sexual object. Mm -hmm. That's all I was. That's all my value was. Mm -hmm. And I had decided... I wasn't going to be in the home where there was lots of arguing and there was lots of just rejection, that I was going to run away. In Sydney, there's a place called King's Cross, which is known for prostitution. Hmm. And I had decided, I must have been maybe 15 or 16, or maybe even 14. I had decided I was going to run away and I was going to become a prostitute. Because that's all I was worth. And I had packed a few things up and I had $2. That's all I had. Now, it would have cost me a dollar ten to get on the train and, and head into King's Cross. And I thought, surely I'm young and that's all I'm, I'm worth is sex, so I'm sure I'll be able to make some money there and live my life there. And I, I remember rationalising that and thinking this was a good course of action. Like, how crazy is that?
2: Hmm, yeah. On
0: my way up to the train station, because it was probably like maybe six uh, 6 p.m., I felt so hungry. I felt really, really hungry. And I passed by this pub that had a countertop meal, roast and veggies, for $2. Wow. Not a word of a lie. And I decided, well, I'll just go get some food. (laughs) And I went in and I had a countertop meal for $2. (laughs) And then I just went home. (laughs) But I had it in my mind that that's what I was going to do.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I can tell you right now, who's ever heard of a $2 countertop meal.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say that, yeah.
0: Who's ever heard of such a thing? But I can tell you, I can remember it being written on the chalk board outside the pub. And I I went there and had that meal, and I was like, oh, I can't go to the train station now because I don't have money. Like, really, I could have just hopped on the train without even paying back in those days. Yeah. But because I was still a child, and I was thinking, oh, you have to pay to get on the train. Mm I was like, oh, I suppose I better go home now. And and so home I went, and, you know, life would have been very different if I just decided to ignore my stomach and get on that train. Yeah. Life would have been, like, quite different.
1: And God tugged your heart in other ways, is that right?
0: Oh, definitely. There were so many times where um, I was feeling the presence of God, not actually really knowing that mm-hmm. it was the presence of yeah. God. As I got older, I was like, the animosity at home continued, and the rejection, and the, I became an adult. I joined the military, and at the same time I joined the military, I met a, a man. So, this would have been like about 18. Mm-hmm. I met a guy who told me all the right things, who said I was amazing and wonderful and, and beautiful mm-hmm. at first. All the things you wanted to hear. Yes, at first. Mm-hmm. But what I discovered, he was the same as the upbringing I had.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He was psychologically manipulative. Mm-hmm. He was emotionally abusive, telling me how horrible I was and how I needed him. And if I didn't have him, I'd never have anyone, you know, just how rejected I was by my own family. And he kept telling me that. And and because it's similar to the story that you've been hearing in your upbringing, it kind of like makes sense. It's like, Mm. oh, maybe it's Mm. true what he's saying.
1: So doubting your self-worth.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But he was so much worse. And I can imagine some people, you know, they hear about a person being hit in in a relationship and say oh why don't you just leave but it's it's not as simple as that you feel trapped Mm. I felt like I had nowhere to go this was the sum of me and this was all I deserved and when you feel that why would you go anywhere because this is all you deserve
1: our guest today is Sarah Petrel who's overcome a troubled background become a chaplain and has been selected as the co-captain for the Invictus Games. We'll hear more of Sarah's inspiring story when we return right here on Real Faith. The Word for Today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition
0: at thewordfortoday.com.au You're listening to Real Faith.
1: Welcome back, I'm Eric Scadabo, and our guest today is athlete and chaplain Sarah Petchel, who's been selected as the co-captain for the Invictus Games. Before the break, we heard about Sarah's troubled childhood and how this led her to having a low view of herself. Next, we'll hear how, in the midst of a dysfunctional, abusive relationship, God gets her attention.
0: I just remember, like, this relationship was escalating, the violence was escalating, and one time the violence was quite bad. And it almost made me have an awakening. It's like something, something's wrong, but I, I couldn't figure out what it was. Something is wrong here. And um, on the way to work, I would drive past this church. I'd drive past this church all the time, and it, and it kept grabbing my attention. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you know, I might just go in that church, just have a look. Mm-hmm. And I walked in, and every single thing that they said in the church, you know, from the sermon to the worship, it was like it was all targeted to me. Hmm. They talked about who do you have around you speaking value into your life? You know, oh, wow. Who's the person that, that, that you have around you? you know, think about those people because they shape your life. And I was like, oh my goodness, <sighs> who do I have around me? Yeah. And then um, one day, this speaker came. It was a guest speaker. Her name's Christine Kane. And she speaks hmm. about a story of being sexually abused. She speaks of a childhood that I found similarities in. Mm -hmm. And I had never heard of someone ever speak like this, never in my life. Mm
1: -hmm. So you realize you're not alone.
0: Yeah, and speaking about me. And it's like, was anyone else in the room? I don't even know Mm -hmm. because I believe it was speaking to me. And it was that time, that day, that God really showed me his love for me. Mm -hmm. He turned up and that I decided to make the commitment to change. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. So that was the beginning of your journey toward your Heavenly Father. But unfortunately, yeah. there were some stumbles along the way.
0: Absolutely. And the thing is, it didn't just go away. You know, you take that journey and all of a sudden everything's fine and dandy. It was a challenging journey from then on because I was still in this relationship or sort of. I was mm-hmm. sort of in the relationship because yeah. I was still living with that person even though we weren't in a relationship and he was still the same person and mm. And I still had all of my past, all the demons from my past to deal Mm. with.
1: Metaphorically,
0: yep. Yeah, trying trying to figure out, okay, how do I make a change in my life? Some months down the track, I became pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I was young, I was 22, I was confused, like, what's going on?
1: Yeah, so suddenly you're a single mother, and all the challenges that come with being a single parent.
0: Yeah, but it was because I was pregnant because this child was coming into the world, it made me snap to attention. Mm -hmm. It made me step up and say, hang on, I have an option here. I have a choice. Because this person is coming into the world, this person who is innocent, this person who has value. Mm. Because I still was struggling to see any value in myself, Mm -hmm. but this person has value. Mm. So I need to get better for this person.
1: Wow, it's interesting. You were able to see the value of a human life In your baby, but not necessarily Mm. in yourself at the time.
0: Yeah, because I was too damaged. Mm. I was too broken. Mm. But this child wasn't. This child was innocent. And because of that child coming to the world, who I now have my son, I had to make changes. And I made them quickly. Mm -hmm. I did whatever I could do to get myself to a safe place. I knuckled down in, into church. I just started going to every possible course that they had on offer.
2: Mm.
0: I was going to every program, everything that I could do, every course that they ran. I did anger courses because I had mm. lots and lots of anger from mm. my past.
2: Yeah.
0: I just signed up for everything so that I could get, <laughs> I could get myself well. And gosh, uh, you know, there's lots of emotions when you're pregnant. And I had a, a really dark period of depression mm. and feeling alone and feeling isolated, and I still had uh, that same mother and the mm-hmm. same parents that mm-hmm. I had to deal with, mm-hmm. that I had to negotiate around to get myself to a safe place. Mm-hmm. As my son was uh, growing up, and I started to learn about the love of God through my son.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: My son is the one who taught me how to love oh, really? and how to be loved. How I never, I honestly can tell you, I never knew about love until that person came into is my life. Is that right? Yeah. And I wanted to go to Bible college. I wanted to commit to my faith. And if I'm going to be in this faith, I'm going to know everything about it or be on a journey to knowing more. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I went to Bible college, which was amazing and challenging because it's not all roses. Mm, (laughs) You know, God works on you in that time and he pinpoints your character flaws and Grows you and shows you that his his love is always for you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I had many times where I would question and argue with God, why, why, why did you let these things happen to me? Why did you let me suffer? And through that time in Bible College, He really showed me that He was always there. Mm-hmm. That's how God started changing me, and and that process continues. That hasn't mm-hmm. stopped. Oh yeah. During my time at Bible College, on coming to the end, I was offered you know some work in the military. And post-Bible college, I actually committed to full-time military because it um, gave money to my family. Mm -hmm. I had struggled so much with money and provision through that whole time of my son being young, times where I just would often have no money for food. Mm -hmm. And this opportunity came up to earn money in the military, and I took it. Mm -hmm. And so I I started working full-time in the military, and it came to a point where I was then um, posted to Brisbane. So I came up to Brisbane Mm -hmm. on a posting with the military, and that's where I worked at the Soldier Recovery Centre.
1: And that's where you are now, in Brisbane?
0: Yes, in Brisbane Mm -hmm. still, yeah. And, yeah, I got to work with the Soldier Recovery Centre, which was working with soldiers uh, who are either recovering from serious injury, returning to the workforce, or Mm -hmm. returning to civilian life. Mm -hmm. And that really started that whole exposure for me of people who were wounded, Mm -hmm. wounded, injured, and ill. And I really enjoyed that work. Just seeing people similar to me, yeah. people who had so much brokenness, mm. even though theirs was from the military, their service, you know, complex trauma, PTSD, broken people trying to put their lives back together and rediscover who they are. Yeah. Because once you have trauma in your life, you're never going to go back and be that same person.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're a new person and you've got to discover who that is.
1: Well, I was just thinking you would be uniquely qualified to help these people who are broken after everything you've gone through
0: yeah yeah definitely and i i often had conversations with these guys about their trauma Mm. and they felt comfortable to share it with me and it's a very personal thing sharing Mm. yeah the vulnerable parts of yourself and Mm. for soldiers who are strong who are told to be Mm. strong who are told to be fearless and and brave and to be so vulnerable Mm. and to be so weak it's doesn't match up. Mm, yeah, and it's a hard thing to be able to negotiate, and there was such an honour to be able to work with with those people.
1: Mm-hmm. And then sports entered your life.
0: Yes, and part of when I come up to Brisbane, I had a lot of opportunities in sport. I started playing rugby. I played rugby union for the mm-hmm. army.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I played rugby union for the defence force. So I was picked from the army team to become the team with the army, navy, and air force. Mm-hmm. And that was amazing. I was I was naturally uh, quite strong, so I got uh, to, to be involved in that, and that was just excellent, and another element of building my character mm-hmm. as as a person, and I, at the same time, I started powerlifting, and for those that don't know what that is, it's uh, squat, mm-hmm. bench press, and mm-hmm. deadlift, mm-hmm. and you just have your three best attempts at each of those in a competition, and I found I was good at it naturally. Straight away, I was you know on the top 10 in Australia. Oh, wow. Uh, getting up to sixth, then fourth, then second, and then for a time I was first in Australia. Oh wow! Yeah, I got to compete overseas um, at the World Championships, at the yeah. Commonwealth Championships, mm-hmm. and that was that was amazing. And I can tell you that God was with me in that because mm-hmm. I felt in my training He was with me. I felt mm-hmm. in my competition He was with me, and He used He uses everything really mm-hmm. to teach us mm-hmm. whatever we put our hands to. He really uses it to mm-hmm. teach us about him and how great his love is for us and how he has provides for us. He used all of that to grow my character.
1: Mm. And then you became a chaplain?
0: Yes, I, I left the military full-time because my son was entering high school and I wanted to support him. Mm-hmm. Being a single mother this whole time, I needed to be able to be there for him. So I, I just became a reserve member in the military and then I took up the job as a school chaplain. Mm-hmm. And I started just, it's just an estate school and you're providing social, emotional and spiritual support for children. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an amazing environment working with kids in school. You just get to be there for so them in their hard times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go from one extreme, working in the military with soldiers who have PTSD, to working with kids who are having friendship problems. Mm-hmm. But in those two circumstances, they're still greatly impacting that person. Mm-hmm. There is yeah, no level yeah. of that's worse than that mm-hmm. because it has dire effects on, on both people. Mm-hmm. And so being able to come alongside kids is such an honour. And families and and, and also parents. And I got a job uh, as a hospital school chaplain. So there's a school that exists inside the Children's Hospital in Queensland. Mm. And I got to be the chaplain there. And I can tell you that was another amazing honour to be able to be with families in these situations. And I've experienced some of the most amazing things. I've been with children going through leukaemia treatment and, mm. and different kinds of cancer treatments. And, you know, with families when they first discover their child is uh, has this serious disease. Mm-hmm. I've been with families when their children are, uh, are passing away. Mm. Sorry. Um, it's, it's such an honour to be in a child's life. It's such an honour to be there with their families and to be... To be able to serve people in that way, mm. to be able to love upon them in their last days, and it, it is such an unnatural feeling when a child dies. Mm. It feels like that's not—that was not God's intention for the world. Mm. And they have definitely impacted me, and oh, the love—they've grown my,
1: yeah—they've
0: grown my love for for God. They've grown my love for families. They've grown my love for people.
1: Yeah, I'd imagine that the parents. Really, we' grateful for you being there through all of that
0: um, yes, yes, well, I think often that I get more out of it than I give because mm. I get that honor of being there with them. and often as a as a chaplain, all your job is just being there, mm. yeah, you don't have any medical you know skill or or, or uh, ability there you you just share the burden mm. because seeing your child in emergency in intensive care eight or nine doctors operating on this small little person doing mm. this procedure and you're the parent and you are helpless. Your child's life is in their hands and there's just a weight that is, that is there. There's a weight in the yeah. room yeah. and I believe I stand alongside to be able to help carry that weight mm-hmm. yeah. so that someone else can experience the horror of this moment, mm-hmm. the fear of this moment mm. and someone else has hope for you in this moment and that's what I try to bring hope yeah. In a circumstance, in a situation.
1: Unfortunately, we're quickly running out of time, but we need to get to how you were selected. Invictus Games. Yes, yes.
0: Uh, so I, you know, having all of that, you know, that in my background, I decided to sign up for the Invictus Games because I have a family history in the military. My grandfather was wounded in the Second World War. He was shot in the head. He survived. I wouldn't be here. Mm. My father served in Vietnam and was also wounded. And here I was, that third uh, generation, having injuries. And I decided to step up and take this opportunity for myself, but also for my family, essentially. And Mm. I got selected for the team. And I competed in powerlifting, which is uh, bench press, but with your Mm -hmm. adaptive, so your legs are up. Mm -hmm. Rowing, so uh, it's called, so you're sitting on the rowing machine, you're pulling the rower for four minutes and for one minute. Mm-hmm. I competed in athletics, which is discus and shot put. And I didn't do too bad. I got a gold medal and some bronze medals, oh, wow. but but the medals aren't really the focus of the mm, Invictus yeah, Games. It's just yeah. really about stepping up and competing and being in an environment of inclusivity and an environment that requires you to, to dig within yourself and compete. Mm. And that experience was amazing. I met some of the most amazing and inspiring people that have overcome so much. Mm. And it's it just helps me to put into perspective, you know, when I have issues or when I have problems, when I have those demons coming up from the past, to say, hey, that person can get through that. That child can get through that. That soldier can get through that. Then I can get through this. Mm. And after those games, I can tell you, I was just, I was absolutely going to apply for the next one. Mm. And so I did. I did apply for the next, next games and got picked. And as you said earlier, I do have the honor of being selected as a co-captain
1: mm. of
0: the, uh, next, the next Invictus Games team.
1: Wow, that's fantastic. You have been through so much, but the Lord has been faithful and has yeah. guided you through it all, and you have put your faith and trust in Him, and He has helped you to overcome so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today.
0: Thank you so much for your time.
1: Our guest today has been athlete and chaplain Sarah Petchel, who was selected as the co-captain for the Invictus Games. Well, if you can identify with Sarah's story and any of the struggles she's gone through regarding abuse and low self-esteem, and you need some help right now, you can call Lifeline's crisis support number 24 hours a day at 13 11 14. That's 13 11 14. Thank you so much for joining us today for Sarah Petrel's inspiring story. And until next time, so long. God bless.
0: You've been listening to Real Faith. And if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au.
1: Real Faith is a production of Vision Christian Media.